Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's adventure of I Cast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign, Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, your DM for this adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Let's check in with where the Jank Squad is. A very tense situation. Malamar being captured after having, without her knowing, murdered a few individuals in Neverwinter. In the Bloody Bowl, Fleeple and Lance both getting a one-on-one meet and greet and Mal being very gruff to them, very consumed in Air 2's power, so to speak. And the leader of the Bloody Bowl, or at least their host, Winilium, in describing how he could, how the players could make it up to him to maybe see to it where he could release Mal, chaos ensued. Battle, fighting, and pushing their way out by force as the Jank Squad is become very good at, very good at just making their way, pushing their way through, and demolishing every NPC the DM throws at them. Which is a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look at how far we've come. You give us a door, we figure out how to get through it. (laughs) So good at it that they became level eight, and they ended the episode very tense, talking with Mal Fleeple, calling Malamara a liability to Lance. And Lance holding the party together for the time being. They go to the transportation hut after Fleeple flashes his Harper badge, and the Harper agent looks up at them and goes, Where to? Well, we need to get to Waterdeep, so I suppose we might as well get there sooner than later. You heard him. All right. Uh, Hold on. And as they finish the sigil with... uh, uh, signifying the direction to go to Waterdeep. The teleportation circle lights up and the three of you walk forward into the magic. And but a second passes for each of you. A second of blinding light when all of a sudden it dissipates immediately and you are accosted not only with a different sight but with a different temperature, different climate. It's a little bit musty in here, a little bit old where you are ending up. And you look around and it is dark, but thankfully for all of you, you have dark vision and you can see your surroundings. And as you do, you seem to be in a dusty old cellar. Now, next to the circle, there is a chair and a desk, just like you had seen previously in Neverwinter and at Candlekeep Library. But nobody is present. And I hoped that maybe in this, you know, crown jewel of the Sword Coast that we might be able to get a bit of a nicer place for us to meet with. But, I, you know, maybe times are hard. Let's go take a look. As you push your way through uh, some of the dust, there's a few cobwebs, and you, uh, you see a set of stairs, uh, wooden, and they look pretty rickety, quite honestly. They look uh, a little unstable. And you start climbing up there uh, to lead to the upstairs to whatever may lie beyond. Anybody else feel like this is very suspicious that a port city 
that probably has this teleportation circle used fairly often. It's just abandoned. Is this Malamara saying this or is this Mickey saying this? <laughs> this is, you know what? Let's do both. I was saying it, but let's do both. I'll, I'll just do it again as Malamara because I think that's you're right. The mo- I think that's the most words Malamara has ever said in a single sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Mal reaches forward and stops Fleeple. And she says, does anybody else feel like this is a little suspicious? That a, what I would assume is a well-used teleportation circle in a port city seems completely abandoned? Lance, do you want to scout ahead or keep your eye out and I'll go in front of all of us and I don't know, this is just giving me some creepy vibes down this hallway, like a like a creepy death hallway. Yes, well, I'm, I'm not very familiar with how cities work, so I suppose I can take your word for it. Um, sure. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll take the lead, Lance, unless you want to go first. I'm happy to, to be out front. I'm sure you are. Uh, Lance will kind of just walk ahead, taking that invitation to scout it out being a sneaky sneaky person so that if we are somewhere where we don't where we aren't assuming we are if there's something nefarious that hopefully we can catch it by surprise and not it us all right roll a stealth check okay dump my ah my dice okay yeah doing sneaky things roguey things stealth 17 all right you feel pretty sneaky there um, as you walk up these ricky steps, you in the lead there, you see that there is just an opening. Uh, the, the door, which the doorway is what I should say. Uh, it just has an opening. There's nothing blocking uh, you from going further. And as you go further into it, do you peek around into the doorway? Yes, I will peek. You see crypts, or rather, this is a crypt. And you see sarcophaguses. Sarcophaguses? Sarcophagi. Sarcophagi? Sarcophagi. Lining the wall here. About 30 feet. And then at the very end, you see a stone door. And you do see some, like, windows that are iron windows, if that makes sense. So, like, uh, glass inset with iron. Um, where it is letting in some sunlight here. But, yeah, you appear to be in a crypt. Uh, I will kind of turn as the group's kind of walking up the stairs and just kind of whisper, whisper yell <laughs> so they can hear me, but also quietly, you know. Uh, we're in a crypt. There's dead people around us. It's kind of So creepy. this is a creepy death hallway. It is, it is literally a creepy death hallway. Because it's us, I, 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 f- I feel the need to ask, um, are they live dead people or are they dead dead people? Yes, they're alive. I had a decent chat with them and they seem pretty friendly. We've been invited to... De- of course they're dead. They're dead. They're dead, dead, dead. Mal looks at him with a long-suffering look. <laughs> she did not appreciate that sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're dead. So, uh, if you want to come up here, I can move forward and check out the next room and see why in the world we're in a crypt. Sure. So I'll sneak to the next door. You got this, All sport. Right. <laughs> Go ahead and roll a stealth check. Oh my gosh, that's a critical fail. <laughs> oh, good. Ah. 
Uh, so ten. <laughs> I don't think you ever lied. Oh to wait, I yet, have. Sir, I have. I, wait, so. I have a four. I have a four dice. Eleven. <laughs> so you sneak forward and as you sneak you're like oh, these guys are probably alive gosh dang it i hope not i sure hope not and uh, you don't you don't realize uh you're just inner monologue uh you don't realize that you're actually stepping on like some loose bone uh but your inner monologue you don't recognize it at all and so you're like all right and you get to the other side of the door nothing happens though so you were so stealthy, I'm Lance. So stealthy. The dead didn't notice me. <laughs> the dead didn't notice you. <laughs> yeah, that's what it should have been—a critical fail. And you hear from inside a sarcophagus, "Keep it down." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will see if I can open the door. If it's locked, and if it's locked, I'll open it. If it's not locked, I'll open it. Yeah, it's a huge, like stone slab, and it is. Very heavy. So is it like a, is it like, it's not a door. It's literally like a stone in front of a passageway. From what you can see, uh, it is intricately carved to make it look like a door, but it is stone. And as you're looking at the carvings, it's very like, uh, it's very, very intricate. You know, be- better, I don't know a better way to describe it. It's, uh, there are some fine details that were uh, put into this or inlaid into this stone specifically. Is there a language written or is it just imagery? It looks to be just imagery uh, with your, especially with your, uh, what languages do you speak again? I speak Elven, <laughs> Common, Orcish, Halfling, and Draconic. Yeah, so it appears to be imagery, but as you are looking around, you see right up at the top of the door, or right above the door, I should say, uh, there is the word M-Y-R-N-A. All right, yeah, I'll just wait till they catch up. Fleeple and Mal, you avoid the loose bones, um, (laughs) and you you do not disturb the dead. Good for you. Yeah, I cleared the way. And... uh, You see also the intricacies of the stonework, uh, and you also see this word above the the door, M-Y-R-N-A. Hmm. That doesn't happen to be common draconic, sylvan, druidic, or primordial, does it? It is written in common. It's common. I can read it. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, even I can (laughs) read read this, folks. (laughs) Yeah, does it feel like a family name on a crypt kind of is that what it looks like um i mean it's if it were i mean it's above the door which if it were on the outside would make sense but it's on the inside so how would why why would they have the name on the inside as well well i think we're sealed in and we have to is it is is the is the this you said this kind of slab is it like a way can I investigate it to see if there's a way to open it? Sure, go ahead and roll an investigation check, and then we'll uh, go to Fleeple and Mal to see if you'd like to do anything in addition to this. Natural twenty. Hey. I rolled a critical fail and <laughs> went the opposite direction. Next roll. Balance. <laughs> All things in balance. Just what was the total for kicks and kicks? Uh, investigation. That is twenty nine. Because I leveled up and got a plus one to my intelligence. Level eight. Yeah, so this door can open. 
Uh, it looks uh, with a twenty nine. Um, it is very opening. Yeah, you can see <laughs> opening. You can see that um, it's very cleverly um, been put on a set of like hidden rollers, but the the rollers are also stonework themselves so they look to be a part of the door it's like one of those terrible roller doors that falls off the tracks always and you have to put it back on the tracks (laughs) (laughs) yes except this one is not designed to fall off the tracks (laughs) and it's actually really cool because the rollers themselves were built in or at the very least cut out of the door itself so when it's locked like this the pattern is perfect and beautiful and you wouldn't even notice that they're meant to be rolled, but you can tell with your 29, your godlike talent here, uh, your <laughs> investigation, you can see that the craftsmanship has been uh, worked into this to where if it was shifted to one side, that these rollers would detach themselves and push the door up and uh, without damaging the artwork itself and without damaging themselves so it's like this perfectly articulated interconnected relationship between these rollers and the door in such a fine um, beautiful way and so is it something that i'd be easily able to push open or does it probably need some some oomph behind it yeah it probably needs some oomph you go up to it and you're like oh it just needs to slide and you like try sliding it and you're like No, you, you, you can't move it. It probably needs a lot of oomph to it. This is a very thick door. I will turn to Malamala and say, if you will be so kind, you will need to push the door this way, and I'll show her kind of the, the angle and direction she needs to do it at. Yep. If you could somehow slide it with your hands, absolutely. Mal spits in both of her hands. Oh, well, that Rub them together. That wasn't necessary. Puts them okay. on the door and tries to press it and slide it to the side. All right. Go ahead and roll me an athletics check, Mal. That's a 24. 24! You push with all of your might, and as you push and push and push, you're like... Uh, It is... It's like uh, watching the Olympics, the deadlift, what is it? The deadlift, uh, weightlifting championships at the Olympics um, competition where they just have these massive weights. And so you prep yourself, you get it ready, and then you throw all your weight into it until Lance and Fleeple, it doesn't look like you're doing anything because you hardly moved, but they can tell that you are struggling and straining. And after 15 seconds of just intense grunting and pushing, it starts to slide open. And you get it about a fourth of the way open to where each of you can slide past this door if you'd like. Guys, we're 20 minutes into this episode. We just opened a door. That's the fastest anyone in D&D has ever opened a door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Set the record. The history of <laughs> D&D. Yeah. So as you escape the crypt, you are greeted by a very large a very expansive cemetery. You, for those that know Waterdeep, appear to be in the City of the Dead. That's comforting. For my players here, (laughs) it is a section of Waterdeep where the respectful, the dead, they go to lie, and they go to their proper burial, so to speak. And this appears to be where one of the teleportation circles for the Harpers happens to be. And in fact, as you look back, you see that same same name, Myrna, 
above the door as the door is slightly ajar. Um, next to the door, there are, there are two massively tall statues um, in suits of armor, but they are also made of stone. Uh, and they are uh, still, they are lifeless, uh, and they seem to be, quote-unquote, standing guard, protecting the dead themselves. Inlaid and Fleeple, because of your not only passive perception, but because of your connection to the Harpers, and just trying to see connections where you can, directly in the center of the door, it is beautifully and intricately carved. However, Fleeple, you're able to pick up that there's one small cent, uh, spot directly in the center to where the intricacies sort of be flowing to, and it is the symbol of the Harpers, directly inlaid to the center of the crypt, uh, the crypt door there. Hmm. All right, so this is where we're supposed to be, apparently. I just don't know who further up in the chain approved this location. <laughs> I'll have to talk to uh, talk to Leoson and his superiors. Um, all right. Should we close the door so that you know nobody else will sneak in? I think that's a good idea. Great. With the three of you now having the leverage of being outside and see that the door is slightly jarred, you can get onto the outside of the door instead of having to push from the inside it open you can get on the outside and the three of you can quite easily and and i mean easily actually those rollers as i mentioned were designed to be pushed in this direction instead of being pushed against like malamar was doing it is a very it's very not only easy but it's really kind of cool to see how the rollers on the bottom sort of like break out of formation and then into the door and then out and then in as they uh, are assisting the door to be slammed shut all right well the city's ours i suppose what time is it it is the same time uh that it was in what neverwinter actually so same time zone which, which w- was what time was that <laughs> i forgot totally <laughs> yeah. Got it's em. the same uh, time it is the afternoon not quite the evening but getting close so we could say the equivalent of like 3 3 30 did they say where in Waterdeep we... I know it's a month away, but do they say where we're meeting up? No. Well, that's terrible directions. You are a, you are a month early. Well, how is he supposed to contact <laughs> us? No. <laughs> looks at Fleeple and says, well, now that we're in Waterdeep a month early, should we maybe set, use that sending scroll to talk to Leosin, let him know that we're here, let him know we have the thing, and maybe... He can t- recommend a tavern. To- well, I know we don't have a lot of words, but maybe he can recommend a tavern to stay at. Is there a Marriott Inn that has the, the conference center that we're going to be in? Some dessert bars. Yes, we should probably put together a list of all the things we want to uh, ask Leosin about. Well, we probably want to inform him. We have the mask. Resmir's dead. We'll want to know. We'll want to know where to meet him in a month's time. And perhaps where we can find lodging in the meantime. What are the, what are the highlights of Waterdeep? You know, the, the places you have to go. If you're in the city, you got to go there. You know, you got to see the Statue of Liberty, you know. Um, yeah. Well, and message or uh, sending, you are limited in your words. 25. Mm-hmm. So I think everything you just said is pretty good to cover. That we have the mask and I where to go? Mask. Resmere's dead. Uh, where, uh, where should we meet? Uh, in Waterdeep in a month and places to possibly visit and or stay. All right. 
Yes, I'm going to be very pedantic real quick, and I'm going to type this all out. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Get a scroll out, write it out for yourself. Yeah. I, I, I think that I think that Fleeple would uh, be more thoughtful in some of his words. Well, while um, Fleeple is using several scrolls to try and, you know, do some drafts. <laughs> no, not that. Not that. <laughs> So you so let let's say that um while this is going on you actually do see um some individuals in the uh city of the dead actually walking around just like it's very nicely curated so there are some like benches there's some paths and we even see some people that seem to be guards just sort of like walking around peacefully and gently Lance I know you, we, we got some money from Ralph and then we gave him back some money from Ralph. How much did we end up actually getting from that encounter? And you have, um, uh, what's the term? Party fund? Or our money? Right? Here's some. Yep, I do. Let me get my money. please. Money, please. <laughs> I've never done anything wrong in my life. Money, please. I've never done I know, and I love you for it. And I Thanks, love Daddy. You. Money, please. Money, please. <laughs> All right. Um. Yes. Uh, let me see here. We have uh, a bag of jewels from Ralph, and that we need to get appraised and possibly sell. And we also have, as a total, party funds, not including our individual funds, two thousand six hundred and fifty gold. So I wonder if while we're in Waterdeep, should we maybe go to an appraiser and get these gems looked at? Uh, Maybe we could hit that illusory illusion place that you guys told me all about because I wasn't allowed to go. And um, (laughs) Can I ask, Mickey, what does Malamara look like right now? Because she's being very talkative for what just happened. So Lance wants to see generally, and I don't have to roll something. I don't want to like bare into the soul of Malamara, but like just generally facial wise, like, cause it, it, the way you're talking, it's like, well, this is not what I expected. So I just want to see like, what is Mal on the surface looking like? So the last time, um, that we really talked right before the transportation circle, she was very much in that air two mode, very much in that, um, dark place. She had a darker green, tint to her skin and she was really haggard she was in the bloody bowl for several days and she was just so weighed down by that and now you can tell because you've known Mal for several months now that her talking is almost a nervous talking that like you're just trying to shake it off like oh no everything's normal it's totally fine there's nothing wrong and so her her chatting while she she's trying to keep it light, but you can tell there's a nervousness to it. More like she's trying to forget or to block out that the other thing happened. And it does purposely feel like a total 180 shift from just a few minutes ago when you were talking to her. It's the Lego movie, the unicorn Lego, who's just like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Unikitty? Una yeah, Unikitty, that's right. Yeah, the Unikitty, that's right. <laughs> yeah, everything's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Yeah. All right, good to know. So I wonder if we should go to the Illusion or Illusion, or I, I just think that we should sleep in style. We've kind of been staying in some crappy taverns, so I wonder if, like, while we're in Waterdeep, we really should, you know, up that 
production value of our tavern. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, yeah, we could. Mine's kind of thrown off, but uh, yeah, we could, uh, we could do that. Um, I think it just depends on, obviously, if 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 uh, if Leosin has a place where the Harpers stay, or we could just find our own place. I think I think that's great. Yeah. Um. Beans. She just, yeah, oxens <laughs> a little awkwardly. All right, I've got the scroll. <laughs> oh, great, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, thank <laughs> heavens, please, please save us. <laughs> oh, small talk. Oh, All you. right. Uh, exactly 25 words. Mask acquired. Resmir is dead. Where should we meet you in a month? Where would you recommend we visit and or lodge ourselves in the meantime? That's 25 words, exactly? Exactly. Ooh, good luck answering that in 25 words. <laughs> in 25 words. Thomas, so did you come up with a response yeah, did you type while your we've own? been chatting? No. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Leosin doesn't know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Oh, crap. Oh, 25 words. Oh, man, I'm losing. No, stop talking. He's in the middle of a battle with whatever caravan stuff is going on right yeah. now. <laughs> Can't talk. Come back later. <laughs> it just comes in. Pitzoval, Absalom for you. <laughs> All right, Fleeple, one more time. You cast the spell. Well, first off, let's take out the. Let's actually, you know, play D and D here. Let's take out the scroll. Let's describe this. Let's uh, let's let's go through it, right? Yes, it is a sort of comically tiny scroll, if I recall correctly. Yes, you are correct. And because, but because your hands are a little bit smaller, it's less comically small. Still really tiny. More just it's... like adorably small. Yes. Aw, Fleeple has his own. No, it's still too small for Fleeple. It's not even like a real scroll for Fleeple even still. It's like um, instead of it being for like a tiny Barbie, it's like a normal Barbie in your hands. If That that doesn't make sense. It's just a tiny, comically small scroll. <laughs> yeah, we're oh, playing right. D&D now. This is D&D, people. <laughs> Now, if, if I'm recalling correctly, he just said that I need to destroy the scroll? Or yes, was there you like just a, break it. Okay, break the scroll. Because, man, I, I kind of want to burn it because that's sort of my shtick. But, but then you burn it and it doesn't work. <laughs> you just burn it. Oh, no. What? <laughs> I just told you to break it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to uh, put it between my claws and uh, test the suppleness a little bit and just give it a nice little snap. <laughs> <laughs> like a glow stick. As you snap it like a glow stick, it just it breaks cleanly in half. And you see this purplish, uh, purple and green energy start to rise from it. And like starts to rise in front of you, uh, and it's swirling together, and you know that the spell is ready for your words to send off to Leosin. All right, and so I will repeat once more: Mask acquired. Resmir is dead. Where should we meet you in a month? Where would you recommend we visit and/or lodge ourselves in the meantime? As you finish these words, the purple and green they swirl together even more, and then sort of implode on themselves and you wait and you wait you 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 two can just converse amongst yourselves while i wait for the response uh 
Matt looks at Lance awkwardly. Uh, pretty shortly after, you hear a very groggy, tired Leosin respond. Excellent. Dead? Oh my. Council meeting in Main Castle, hoping to get Blackstaff and other important figures there. Four more words. Anything else? Try the smoked salmon. (laughs) (laughs) I prefer the singing sword. No, singing. That's what we got. (laughs) Well, no, black staff is one word. Oh, true. That is true. Black staff, or is it like a black staff? Black staff is the name. Okay. All right. Then yeah, you got you got sword in there. All right, the singing sword, just like that old Looney Tunes cartoon. All right, so which castle is the main castle? And I start looking around at presumably the many castles around us in this gigantic city. Yeah, there are a lot. Um, There are a lot of castles in Waterdeep. What did he say about Blackstaff, just as a reminder? Sorry. Trying to get Blackstaff. Trying to get Blackstaff? And other important figures. Oh, trying to get people to the council. Gotcha. We're not supposed to get them. They're trying to get them there. Yes, Leosin's implied that he's trying to get Blackstaff and other important figures. Who Blackstaff is, I mean, Lance, maybe you would know. Um, Do you want me to roll? Only if you want sure. to. Sure. I got a 14 plus my history, which is for 18. 18. Um, the name just uh, rings to you as just a very important person in Waterdeep as to what their function is. Um, you might be able to make some deductions from the name itself but who blackstaff is uh you you know like where they are what their function is you're not sure but leosin informed you that they appear to be important and that leosin is now on a mission to gather other important figures to this meeting as well so it is going to take some time which you knew it's going to be in three weeks time uh, and it's just, uh, so you're really kind of left to your own devices here to be able to reflect, to really take the time. And so as each of you just uh, start making your way through Waterdeep to the Singing Sword. Are we going to the, we, we are going to the Singing Sword. So we're not going to the illusory illusion. We're going to go to the Singing Sword first, right? Your choice. Let's go check in first. But the, the Singing Sword is a tavern. Yes. Let's go clean up first. Yeah, we'll have yes. several weeks to look around this place. Get everything just Let's get over of... your mal shell shock. Yeah. I need a shower. I'll see if I can pick myself up a copy of Volo's Waterdeep Enchiridion, which is the official in-canon book that is included in Waterdeep Dragon Heist. That is just like all of the information about the city. So as each of you are walking toward the Singing Sword... It's a very bustling city. You knew, well, some of you knew, Lance in particular, you've never been to Waterdeep, but you have heard, I mean, it's, um, Ned, what is the word? It's the Sea of the Falling Stars or whatever. It's it's the crown jewel of the Sword Coast, quite literally. It's, it's beautiful. It's magnificent. It's where, um, if you can make it in Waterdeep, you can make it anywhere, right? Uh, there are just towering structures. I mean, there are buildings that look like castles, only to be dwarfed by actual castles. And you see on the west side of Waterdeep, there is this sloping upwards hill with castles and towers 
um, just dotting the landscape. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people bustling around Waterdeep, going about their day-to-day activities. Um, Lance, you see pickpockets running after uh, um, running away with a score little kids you see uh, you see um, women with their children bustling down the road you see guards chasing people out of an alley you see um, just life springing forth in front of you um, with that life it is uh, it is interrupted by these odd gigantic statues uh, that appear to be dotting the city itself um, the most prominent one in close to the middle of the city appears to be this 40-foot-tall just statue standing in the middle of the city. And uh, as you walk by it, it's not conveniently standing in, like, a park or a place. It's just literally the town, the city seems to have been, seems to have built itself around the statue because it was very inconvenient where it stopped why it stopped where what's its purpose who knows but it is just full of life and bustle bustlement and you sort of feel at home right now and it, it gives you a chance to reflect as all of you have taken sort of the silence to just take things in to keep an eye out and you've really just kind of been left to your own thoughts to your own emotions so lance what what are you thinking about at this at, in this moment at this time as you're walking forward to the singing sword um lance is thinking a couple things uh one is the way you describe the city lance is comparing it to his home that we just were in neverwinter and it's almost like neverwinter is what Waterdeep could have been if it just didn't hit so much bad luck. Like, Neverwinter is the city that could be grand, but it's just gone through so much that it's kind of the rundown, crummy city that's, like, still trying to hold on to its greatness. And, but it's, you know, it's... it's And he's looking at Waterdeep just at this pristineness, and, and even in its filthiness, it still is, like, ten steps above anything he's seen in Neverwinter, and it's... He's half kind of, like, annoyed by it because he's like, okay. Like, the city's putting on airs almost to him. And then half of him's also, like, contemplating, like, how different his life would have been if this is the city he grew up in instead of Neverwinter. Um, So it's kind of throwing him off a little bit. That's kind of some of the thoughts running through his mind. He's also just thinking about Malamara, and he's thinking about how drastically different she was just in that just from Neverwinter to here and he's also starting to connect in his mind this idea of well he's starting to to get worried again because for the longest time he was like okay she's got it she's got this under control and now he's like she doesn't how can we help can we help if we try and help is she just going to push away and also he's starting to think about a certain item in his possession that she seemed very drastically driven to take and it's that it's it's what we know as the demonomicon and he's wondering about that and how he's looked at it and since he's looked at that all of a sudden he's been able to start doing things that he's never been able to do before and that's kind of worrying him and so those are all the thoughts going through lance's mind yeah, and as um, you bustle through the city, just thinking about sort of like taking stock, 
uh, absentmindedly stopping a child from pickpocketing you and just tossing him off to the side um, just without a moment's thought and uh, the child huffing off uh, it's just disturbing uh, the general the general feeling I got as you were describing your your internal state is disturbed would you say that's appropriate yeah it's just like he's thinking of Neverwinter and he's thinking just like he's disturbed by obviously the Malamara stuff but also just like again it's like Neverwinter you have to fight for anything for a scrap and here even the pickpockets themselves are just doing it way too easy and they're getting they're getting way too much like he's just like this the city's almost gifting people good luck and it's very strange for him Lance as these uh, thoughts are in your mind and as uh, you absentmindedly grab uh, a youth's hand as they as they try to reach into your coin purse uh, using a very popular, very uh, common maneuver. And you just thrust them off to the side as you're absentmindedly thinking about all of this. You, all three of you, make your way up to the Singing Sword. Um, it is a very um, popular tavern. It's bustling with business uh, as the workday is starting to close out, as it's starting to... Um, become dinner time as uh, things are starting to uh, close up shop it looks like a lot of locals here and uh, there's a wide variety of people that are popping up here Uh, but locals for sure Uh, you see some foreign travelers perhaps like yourself there are all sorts here half orc orc tiefling full elf there's a turtle that you see walking around inside, stumbling around, and uh, you see uh, quite a few people. And the from the inside, you see this, you hear this magnificent voice uh, and clapping and uh, just a really rowdy bunch. It seems like some bard is uh, uh, performing um, when there's some music accompanying the singing. But as you walk inside, you see that there is no bard on the stage, or at least no bard singing, just one playing um, an accompaniment, playing um, some music in the background. And at the centerpiece of the stage is a long black sword. And there is a, v- there is a voice emanating from it, a very beautiful, very melodious, uh, lively tune. Um, and you go, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's a literal, it, okay, so it's the singing sword. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, nothing hidden there, right? And you are able to, you have to wait a few minutes, um, probably a good 10 to 15 minutes, but you are able to find yourself a table as somebody stumbles out already pretty inebriated for the early hour of the day. But the three of you snatch the table up, shooting glances at people to say, this is just us. This is ours. You can't sit with us. Seat's taken. You can't sit with us! (laughs) But Mal, as Lance and Fleeple, they order uh, a meal for each one of you, which is a gold piece each. You are reflecting, and uh, that nervousness, uh, you've been trying to keep it at bay. Um, by just talking, but because you've been in silence for so long, it's you're not able to keep it at bay anymore. Um, you, things are flooding through your mind. Things are spiraling for you, it seems. 
and it, you don't seem to be safe or secure maybe within your own mind even but uh, but that's me the, the DM thinking about Malamara's state what is Malamara actually feeling as she's sitting down with her friends and their food is coming and they're having a fresh meal and there's lively singing and joking and talking and everything around them um, almost the louder and the happier and jovial atmosphere it is the more she sinks inside her where that nervous talking where she was trying to put on a, a facade for Lance looking at her and trying to be okay with it now that they're sitting down and quiet and have food at the table and are in their own thoughts and she sinks deeper into herself and that facade just falls away as she can't can't keep it up and she's very torn between she starts to sink into that sadness and being upset really the more she thinks about what had happened thinking about the bloody bull thinking about how she's lost control thinking about the way that the people looked at her both the cheering crowd and the people below, how they gave her a wide berth, how they were afraid to be around her, really bothers her at a, a very fundamental level that she doesn't know how to grapple with. She's always been kind of an outsider, but she's never been this outside of everyone. And that aspect really bothers her. And she's really bothered about this night that she's lost that she does not remember leaving the tavern and doesn't remember getting to the bloody bowl and she's lost a whole night and that scares her so she has the depression from her actions and the terror this the terror of losing a whole night and then every once in a while she'll see orcs walk by and then she's reflooded with anger remembering this encounter with her family especially so fresh on her mind and the hatred just the straight pure hatred she has for orcs and then that brings around a a feeling of no I'm doing the right thing this is what I need to be doing to get the revenge that I need for my family and so she uses that to then reignite her emotion so as everybody else is kind of in their own thing she's going through this whole cycle of emotions being really angry and hot like on a high and then falling into that depression that sadness that terror Oh, there's an orc, and they re reigniting that anger and that appreciation for Air 2 and everything he's giving her. And it is a very frustrating and confusing cycle to be in as she's quietly eating her meal. So it seems, uh, from what you described to me, it sounds like uh, that the fire is sort of being reignited every so often, but the the journey that Malamar is taking is very high-low, very quickly, it seems. So, confident, moving forward, falling down, going into depression, and then picks back up, and then falling down, picks back up, as you are doing this, this motion of this back and forth, which is exhausting you emotionally and mentally. You have the thoughts and you have the phrases of Air 2... Your, your your grandfather, your brother, um, all bouncing around in your head. 
Um, as the flame gets reignited, Air 2 says, I will set you free. As you fall down uh, to pull you down from that, you feel the, uh, the words of your brother saying, maybe take the good parts from both, you know? And then you, you think of your grandfather and his totem and everything he did with you and you saying, I love you to him, which brings you down further. And it's just, it's just phrases from each of these three individuals, different every time that takes you on this journey, which is why it's so emotionally exhausting. It's why it's so draining to you. And which is why, um, as Fleeple and Lance are continuing just casual conversation, you, you join in that's what is expected of you you must join in to some degree or else attention will be brought to it so you you laugh uh you uh you point out a funny situation um you hide your disgust you um talk about how good the meal is but this journey is going on behind your eyes behind your mask the Evening at the Singing Sword um, is lively, as this this is. This sword loves to perform. Uh, asks for requests, and it gets uh, requests called uh, um, a, a popular uh, ditty, uh, "The Barmaid and the Night," um, and uh, then it goes to some of the um, more somber tales of the uh, Thousand Nights of Fire, and there are some other um, more lively tunes you have some singing uh some uh some sailing songs as well some shanties uh as waterdeep is absolutely a port city all wide all, all variety here and as lance fleeple and mal as i said you you all join in to some degree um whether hiding behind a mask or not or trying to pull others from their mask the night goes on and you're f- able to feel some of you as you allow it the tension to drain from your bones and your muscles and really just sort of give in to the safety of this tavern. You ask for a room. I assume all the same room as has been done before. I think I'm good with that. As you make your way up to the room, a little bit uh, drowsy, maybe a little tipsy for you, um, you start to all bed down for the night in your respective beds. And Fleeple, this is where we turn to you and we check in with you and where Fleeple is at. You have the conversations between you and Lance fresh in your mind. You are nestling down uh, in your um, surprisingly kobold-sized bed (laughs) that they have here in Waterdeep, which is a shocker, but they have one that seems to accommodate you and it is oh so nice. But what are you... What are some thoughts? What are some feelings? And what is Fleeple going through at the moment? Yeah, Fleeple has been thinking a lot about why his mojo is suddenly so off and why he's full of so much doubt in this moment. Uh, I.e. Ned has been spending a lot of time thinking about that in behalf of Fleeple. And since the beginning, Fleeple has kind of felt himself in this kind of authoritative sort of position within the group in almost a paternal sense. 
you know, he is the one who is devoted to Bahamut, the one who is kind of the priestly figure, and also the one who is oldest, if not in literal years, kind of in station, in maturity, as it were. And so there's always been kind of this expectation that Fleeple has felt upon himself. Whether this actually is an expectation that's coming from his friends or not, he at least has felt that there's an expectation that he's supposed to be the one who's kind of keeping the group together. And there have been strains on that over the course of this adventure. Right at the very beginning, Lance basically said, hey, we're going to do this one job, and after that, I'm out. And, you know, Fleeple was very sad about that, but thought, if Lance doesn't want to hang out with us, then who am I to try and hold him here when he doesn't want to be? And though Fleeple realizes that Malamar was not entirely herself when they were having that conversation beneath the bloody bowl, he still can't forget her comments about, why would I want to leave this place? This is where I want to be. And he's been uneasy about the situation with Malamara and Air 2 from the beginning to some degree or other. You know, those early conversations with Lance right after they fought against the Gith, like, hey, this is something we're probably going to want to keep our eyes on. But it's become more prevalent since then. There's the image at the end of the fight with Resmir and Rathmodar, where it was this very plain image of Fleeple up in the sky surrounded by holy light while Malamara is plunging down surrounded by darkness. A literal representation of how much further apart they're kind of moving on their paths from each other. And Fleeple's kind of played a little bit of tug of war to try and keep the group close together. You know, if we think about some of those early conflicts he had with Lance, you know, both of them on each side of the rope, Fleeple kind of trying to pull him in. Hey, you can open up to us, man. It'll be okay. But what's interesting about the current situation with Malamara is Malamara's not the one on the other side of the rope. Malamara is the rope. And the person we're tugging against is a very powerful demon. And... What makes Fleeple the most uncomfortable about that is at any moment Malamara could decide to stop being the rope and to choose one of those two sides. If she chooses our side, there's a chance that we can win this battle against the demon. But if she chooses the other side, Fleeple doesn't think there's any way that he and Lance can pull her back. Yeah, aptly put, this literal tug of war for not only the group, but for Malamara herself being Malamara and lying within Malamara as well. Would put anybody at unease, and especially one as wise and um, as one who has taken the responsibility of a god upon themselves, Bahamut. It's as if your station is giving you more insight, causing you to reflect upon um, the evil within inside somebody and them choosing a side instead of being buffeted about and just being tossed to the wind because of their nature and their situation. And although you don't have a solution, these fill your thoughts as each one of you drift off to either trance or sleep. You find comfort and refuge as the singing sword sings a closing soft ballad below your room. It helps lull you into a very soft, warm embrace as each of you finally get a good night's rest in 
the town, or rather city, of Waterdeep. And that is where we're going to end this week's episode of I Cast Fireball. Safe and sound for the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you're meditating, that's your like ohm. <laughs> Some great moments there. Really nice uh, for the DM to get a lot of that insight of how you all feel your players are doing. Also, I hope for the audience as well. I'm sure some of our audience members picked up on stuff that I missed out. <laughs> so some of it's probably not new at all, but really satisfying to see where everybody's at. How is it going to resolve? How are we either going to come together, break apart? Um, are there going to be barriers? Are there going to be walls that just simply cannot be done? Will hard decisions have to be made? Of course. But when, where, and what will they be? We'll have to find out, maybe, next time on iCast Fireball. Everybody, players, Ned, Jacob, Mal, Mal, Nikki, <laughs> thank you for joining me this week. You are your character. Uh, and listeners, thank you especially for joining us on this week's adventure. Um, as always, it means the world to us that you would join us along on this ongoing uh, campaign. We've been we've been recording this campaign for over two years now. I think we've stated that we started recording in 2020, and it has been. Man, things have changed. It has been a heck of a time since it all began in Greenest, and we are just so grateful that you would continue to join us on this adventure. And anybody who's joined us in the past few months, thank you for jumping in and for uh, binging uh, our uh, uh, our adventure here. Welcome along, and uh, thank you so much. If you like what we're doing here, feel free to leave us a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. It not only lets us know that you like what we're doing, but... It gets us into other people's feeds so they can join on the adventure as well. If you'd like what we're doing and uh, wanted to reach out in an email, uh, we have an email, iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com, where you can send something a little bit longer, maybe magic item ideas, um, in-depth questions for one of our character or one of our players that maybe they they will share with you um, that is upcoming or behind the scenes. And we also have our Kofi account, which should be li- linked below if you're feeling uh, generous and able to support us. If you'd like to follow along on our weekly, daily uh, going going abouts for the podcast, follow us on our social media platforms at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at iCastFireball20. I uh, want to give a shout out to our sister podcast, Improv Tabletop, where Ned uh, has finished a fantastic Avatar Legends, that's Avatar The Last Airbender, role-playing game, uh, uh, their first campaign just wrapped up, and Ned should be really close to, if not already, releasing uh, Season 2, right? Yeah, by the time you're hearing this, we should have begun releasing episodes of our upcoming Blades in the Dao Fei campaign set in the Avatar universe, but using the rule set for Blades in the Dark, one of my favorite RPGs and one of my favorite uh, worlds to play around in. Folks, D&D is the bread and butter of a lot of people's uh, tabletop role-playing systems, but you really honestly got to give it a try. Ned is fantastic at introducing new people, myself included, who is a naysayer uh, of trying other tabletop systems. 
Ned has converted me to trying new things and really exploring what they have to offer. So go give that podcast a listen. They have Fate Accelerated. They have the Avatar Legends. And now they've got Blades in the Dark. It's just a fantastic time. And don't forget to leave them a five-star review on the way out. Lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow Wacky Adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas DM, And around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Let's keep that fire going, everybody. And we'll see you all next time.